Identify the first thought. For this exercise, I invite you to think of a recent situation or a recurring situation. So give that situation your attention, your full attention. Immerse yourself in that situation. And notice what is your first thought. And then we're going to notice what is the second thought after that. This is very subtle, but very important. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. I see a wallet on the sidewalk. That's a situation. The first thought is, oh, somebody must have dropped their wallet. So there's a certain innocence about that thought, right? The second thought is different. And here are some options about what that second thought could be. Oh, I can hand it into the police so it gets returned to him. Or no one will know if I empty it. I need extra cash right now. So in every event and everything, every sense of perception, um, there's a first simple recognition of what is true, what is happening, what, what, what do I see? Someone dropped a wallet. If you've been to notice, other options are presented to you at that point, and they're presented by the evil one, the enemy. Um, so on one side, your guardian angel or your own virtue is saying, oh, I can pick it up and hand it into the police station. It's right here. They'll take care of it. But the enemy is saying, well, no one's going to see if I just empty it while I'm picking it up and bring it into the station. Another example, I sit down to this fantastic, delicious dinner. The first thought is, this is amazing. This is so delicious. The second thought could be, dear God, thank you for giving me this beautiful gift. Or, I can't wait to eat this, and I hope there are seconds. So there's one thought that's referring itself to God and thanking him for this gift because he is the one who's giving us the food and life. The second thought is from my stomach. I want to eat more. I'm going to eat this as fast as I can. And I hope there are seconds. That second thought is a little temptation from the evil one. Um, trying to get us off track, off track. One more example, I see someone in the hallway. The first thought is she's walking down the hall. Simply that stating the fact, so-and-so is walking down the hall. Second thought options, I hope she has a good day. Or why isn't she at her desk working? So going back to some little situation that you remember from this past day, and calling it to mind, picturing yourself there. See if you can remember that first recognition, that first thought, which is really a recognition of simple fact. 
And then what came right after that? So do you see that the first thought is like an innocent thought? It's just a statement of fact. But the second thought, another thought, immediately comes. And that thought is connected to memories, to emotionality, to mental patterns that aren't healthy, that spin off into fears and insecurity and anger and desire, covetousness. Usually we can be sure that the second thought, when it is spinning off from our fears and our insecurity and our anger, is from the evil one. So there is really a tyranny of thoughts in our heads, right? A mental tyranny in which um, we can't really escape. We can't escape the clatter that's happening in our heads all the time. So there are some ways, though, some tips that I'd like to share with you. One, question your beliefs and assumptions. Your thoughts are cramped within the framework of the story of who you think you are. This story is woven from a lifetime of experiences, memories, emotions, and judgments. So identify what you are thinking and assuming about a situation. Then read from your Bible or a spiritual book or a poem. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see outside your ordinary frame of reference. Two, recognize patterns in your mental processes. The first centuries of Christians realized that thoughts, whether good, bad, or neutral, constantly cut each other off. For example, I have a thought or inspiration to assist someone who could use help with the task, but quickly the notion of some other important things I need to do for myself takes its place, and I decide that I don't really have the time and energy to give to someone else. According to the spiritual fathers, who wrote about the power of thoughts in the early centuries of Christianity, evil thoughts cut off good ones. Evil thoughts cut off good ones, and good thoughts cut off evil ones. The most important thing is what type of thoughts we allow to hold sway in our hearts. So begin to pay attention to the constant flow of thoughts and how they cut each other off. Then begin to be aware of how these thoughts push you to one decision or another. Three, what you water grows. As you become aware of thoughts, you can more intentionally cut off destructive thoughts by turning to God for help. If you have, let's say, a pattern of angry thoughts, you can begin to intentionally cultivate gentle thoughts by thinking of the gentleness of Jesus, asking God for a merciful heart, and picturing each person around you bathed in the light of God's love and yourself as well, letting go of the over-importance of desired outcomes and so forth. 
It is a way of praying that mentally cuts off thoughts that contribute to our mental vulnerability and anxious depression. Four, become acutely aware of how each type of thought makes you feel. Destructive thoughts will make you cringe, withdraw, shut down, and panic. Thoughts of love and patience, trust and amazement will leave you feeling open, joyful, aware of possibility and quiet. As you learn how to choose your thoughts, no matter how small your steps will be, you will discover another key to emerging from the powerful darkness that is shrouding your soul. When we enter into a time of silence, peaceful reflection or prayer, we expose our minds and hearts to the mind and heart of God. We correct our sight with the eyes of God, our interests with divine values, and most importantly, we correct our vision of ourself with the way God sees us.